0: Welcome uh, to the second in a series of experiments with Tom, where Tom van der Luba, I should mention, uh, where we explore different books. So this is a, a book club. We've come up with a, a title now for this show. Uh, so uh, you should read this is the title of the show. So welcome to episode number two. And Tom's putting the, uh, the book that you should read up on screen uh, for those just listening. And uh, I've got it too. It's called Reinventing Organizations by a guy called Frederick Laloux. Uh, forward by Ken Wilber. This, um, yeah, has been a, a book that's had a big impact on me, uh, and I know it has for you t- too, Tom. Before we came on, we said you'd give a, like an overview of the v- book, uh, and then and then perhaps we can dive in. Yeah,
1: I think um, yeah, it's interesting. Let's say why do we like the book, or why do we start with it? Uh, how how did the book influence us? Uh, Frederic Laloux is a former uh, consultant McKinsey. Uh, uh, I don't know him, although I also spent some months there. Um, he's, Bel- he's from Belgium. And um, I also read uh, the book a couple of years ago. Um, I think mainly because uh, there are quite some Dutch examples in the book. Buurtzorg, uh, but also BSO origin. And as a student, a long time ago in the 80s, I was a big fan of eckhart Winsten BSO. Uh, perhaps we we'll come to that afterwards. And... Uh, to be radically transparent, I know Jos Block uh, quite a bit of Beertzorg, uh and um, I admire him a lot. Um, so, uh, yeah, great examples in a great and very complex scientific book. So I'm very looking forward to the book. And perhaps two sentences about uh, the structure. It's yeah, it's it's more than 300 uh, pages. It also could have been thousands because there are a lot of lot of stuff in it. And um, perhaps I, I I leave it uh, uh, to you, Richard, to to dive a little bit deeper into the structure of of the book.
0: Yeah. Um. Well, actually, rather than getting into the st- the structure per se, I thought what I'd show up on screen for people watching, and I'll, I'll talk people through it uh, for people listening. Is you know the I guess the main thesis of the book, and that is this idea that um, that organisations can be in various stages of evolution. Uh, and he's uh, enumerated them with, with different colors here uh, and that they correspond to some degree with the, the state of the environment in which they're situated. So in, in a sense, they're a response to their environment. And he, he starts here with, with red. And he gives the examples of the architects, archetypes of street gangs, of mafias, where we've got scarce resources or certainly a perception of scarce resources. Uh, and the characteristics of these organizations are power by force, domination, a chief of the group. And it's all about li- loyalty to that leader and, and fear of the chief. Um, very hierarchical. Um, and he says hey, it thrives in a chaotic environment or certainly a, a resource scarce environment. Amber is the is the next uh, state of evolution here. Um, Conformist is the adjective he uses to describe them. These emerge in colonial am- empires. Think of religions, governmental institutions, military. This is command and control, rigorous processes, predict- you know predictability. It's about reproducible and stable processes over time. So think of those early enterprise, you know, early industrial enterprises, um, rigid not adapted to a changing environment and that didn't necessarily need to because, you know, in that that period of um, societal development, it wasn't a particularly uh, rapidly changing environment. Um, Orange, I guess, is the the one that he leans on most in the book in terms of providing a contrast to what we'll get to next, which is Teal, Age of Enlightenment, Industrial and Scientific Revolution. Um, This is about profitability, goal-oriented, predict and control. So there's a focus on what's coming and how do we control our actions to achieve that prediction. Um, key breakthroughs he talks about here, innovation, accountability, this is meritocracy, focus on material. Um, the, the symbol here is the machine. And God, we see that in our le- language all the time right now, don't we tell like, the machine metaphor just dominates all of our conversations about organizations, and that's a, that's a legacy of this stage of evolution of organizations, to orange. Green is pluralistic. Um, this, he's claiming here emerged in the 60s. These ideas of social entrepreneurship, associations, values around equality, harmony cooperation, social responsibility, power, empowerment, that word, like we as the bosses will empower the staff, right? A sort of slightly paternalistic, more humane, perhaps, but still slightly sort of paternalistic um, approach to the organization. Uh, yeah, the, the metaphor being a family, right? Or the symbol being a family, you know, family organi- And You hear that a lot and leaders in these more humane organizations often talk about, you know, the family uh, when they refer to the organization. And then teal. so this is, you know, it's become, I suppose, the, um, the motif of his work really is this idea of the teal organization um, and an evolutionary emerging organism, right? That's the kind of metaphor, the way we think about it. Plenty of examples. You just mentioned them in your intro, Tom. One of them, Bertzog Favi, which is a, a metal, car. it's a French company that makes some components for uh, motorcars, uh, engines. Um, uh, so this is about freedom trust, very high trust, trusting the individual. The individual has sort of agency and sovereignty within this broader organization, um, a sense and response style of, of operating, self-management, self-leadership, wholeness, the sense of evolutionary purpose, this, yeah, this living organism metaphor. So that's the broad sweep. But like I say in the book, he, he draws the greatest distinction between orange, which is where a lot of co- corporations are right now, and teal, and you know anything to add to that, Tom, in terms of the sort of broad overview of what he's describing?
1: Yeah, perhaps in the in the teal organization, it's a lot about self-management, locracy, this kind of stuff. Um, and and yeah, and then in the book, he mainly yeah. uh, compares the orange column with the teal column, yeah, on on a lot of different dimensions. I would say yeah. probably ten or something like that.
0: Yeah. And so we thought that was what we, where we'd go next, just to give people a sense of what Lulu is talking about, um, because I think it's best done in terms of a contrasting to it to what we know. And then once we've got more of a handle of what we really mean by a teal organization, then, then we can start to dive a little bit more specifically into this leadership question uh, and what it means as a, a human level to lead an organization um, like this, or be a leader within an organize within a teal organization. So, stop sharing this now. Um, so yeah, let's talk about some of the differences between orange and teal, which uh, uh exists in the appendix three of the book, right? Um, appendix four, should I say? Do, do you want to dr- start by drawing a few out? Maybe you could throw in some you know examples from your own organization, Vizi.
1: Yeah, perhaps it's uh, it's good to start just with um uh... Let's say the organizational structure which is number one in this uh, in this overview um, where you normally have the classical pyramid, the classical hierarchy and then until it's about self-organization it's about trust it's about uh, decentralized decision making in the teams itself uh, yeah that's 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 probably Let's say from an organizational point of view, probably the core, uh, holocracy, sociocracy, and then and then it has different dimensions. Just to take one example, because it's also one of my my roles in 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 VZ, in 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 our company. That if you, for instance, talk about recruitment, uh, you don't have the classical HR department which decides for the teams who should be hired. Now the teams themselves hire and they also hire in a different way. So it says here, interviews by future colleagues focus on its fit with the organization and with the purpose. So it's not about what technical skills did you have or do you have? And now it's about, do we have the same goals? Do we have the same values? Do we follow the same purpose? Uh, And then the colleagues decide themselves uh, is this a colleague we want to have on the on the on the team just to take one one example?
0: right yeah and I'm just one that sticks out to me here, like no executive team meetings, uh, coordination meetings, mostly ad hoc when needs arise. i mean this this to me really illustrates the difference in culture. and you know I've mentioned this to you before, Tom, but often when I've been interviewing leaders of of organizations that we might describe as teal, I ask them like when they're available for the podcast and they're like I don't know, pick a time anytime in the next month. My diary is empty. I mean, just extraordinary, right? Imagine any other CEO in an Amber organization, pretty much of any size. Yeah, you know, that diary is going to be rammed eight hours a day. Even if you're middle manager, right, in an orange organization, that's probably true. So it's, um, yeah, that idea that people are simply trusted to get on with things. Suddenly, you don't need the meetings anymore.
1: Uh, my calendar is always health empty so i always give exactly the same answer and uh, it doesn't matter if it's a student who writes a thesis or something like that people are always totally amazed when i say it doesn't matter just tell me when i shall call you but that's that's very simple it has to do with the fact that it's not my job so it's i mean colleagues are are, are totally able to do the, the stuff themselves that's not my role and 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 that's typical deal uh, perhaps take uh, Take another example, it's much focused on, I just take 0.7 now, performance management. It's much about teams all the time. So it's not about the individual. It's not about the individual performance. It's not about the one bright guy, uh, just to take the, the middle uh, uh, one. Um, no, it's about always oh, about the team. It's about doing things together. It's about we and not about I. There's probably also something which is very dominant. <laughs> Um, uh, that the team is always more important than the individual in the in, in a, in a sense of the, if the way we, we, we work together and on the human scope, uh, the individual is, is much about the human being. And so let's say the word HR is, is just not, you can't use the word HR in a two organization because the word resources to use for a human being is just not appropriate
0: right right and and i think this echoes something we'll probably get into in a bit more depth around leadership is that this is about su- at some level a subl- sublimation of ego it's a letting go of ego uh, and asking yeah not so much you know it's less about what's my position what's my salary when am i going to get my promotion and it's what can I, how can i serve the team right now right how can i contribute today most effectively it's a, it's a shift isn't it um, at every level in the organization you know, no matter whom you are in the organization that 's the shift you you're encouraged to make
1: yeah and it's about trust instead of distrust so it's not that you have to control right? that you say no trust is not so good you have to control those people no it 's exactly the opposite uh, so you have an enormous amount of examples where two leaders are taking off the locks of of let's say equipment uh, because uh, let's say in a, in a classical orange organization would say we have to lock everything. Otherwise they will steal the stuff. And that's, that's, for instance, an example, which, which is, is in a lot of uh, books you find, you find those examples. It's all about trust. And, and also about if something happens is, is the way to react on this uh, appropriate or not. So if you, if, if you have a very safe culture, and then in 10 years' time, somebody is stealing a kind of equipment, uh, does it make sense to lock the stuff then afterwards? So is it appropriate right. or not? And there are also a, a lot of examples. But in, the main thing is just to explain, it's all about trust. There, everybody is totally capable capable of doing the work. And, and you don't have to tell in a vertical way other people who are much nearer to the job to do what they have to do. So this whole idea of the machine again—that there are some bright people on the top who tell the dumb people on the floor what to do—that's until exactly the other way around. The smart people can decide for themselves how to do the job.
0: Yeah, more accurate, often with organisations having been a consultant, is it's not the smart people at the top telling the dumb people at two. It's the smart people at the top telling the consultants to tell the dumb people what to do. <laughs>
1: Uh, that's that's also interesting if you if you know the background of frederick Laloux, also in his way of writing stuff it's in a very strong way so it's not very diplomatic so to say so he he uses also his experience to be to be pretty bold on his on his statements about about orange organizations which were his clients
0: right yeah no it's fascinating he's a yeah, that's his background, right? Um, you know, arguably, I mean, there's a great article I read a while back, um, you know, laying at the door of management consultancies, the blame for the stripping out of middle management across, you know, in this case, corporate America, um, and uh, completely disempowering that entire middle layer, putting all of the decision making into the senior leaders, um, at, and then the senior leaders themselves outsourcing a lot of the thinking, which previously would have sat with the middle management to the, to the consultants. So the consultants do well, senior yep. managers do well, everybody else beneath them gets kind of screwed in the process.
1: What, what, what is perhaps also interesting to take out is um, values, uh, which is in the, in the appendix about daily life. And it says in orange organization values are often only a plaque on the wall. And in two organizations, they're very about about principles, about values, and they really act on it. So it's you, you don't have an enormous amount of regulation, but, but everybody knows what's right and wrong and is really acted on that if something goes wrong. So it says clear values translated into explicit ground rules of acceptable unacceptable behaviors to foster a safe environment practices to cultivate discussions about values and ground rules and it's also a very interesting one because we don't have any rules on the wall we have only one rule the golden rule which is a very simple one just treat others like you wanted to be treated yourself but it's not on the wall but we act on it so if something goes wrong we would say just think about it if you would be in the other position what would be your behavior, and just sleep a night over it, and then just give us the answer. So it's very strict on acting on those basic principles, but we we don't have handbooks as an example.
0: Right. Yeah, and it's about the and you know, I think the key word here is practices, practices, practices to cultivate discussions about values and ground rules. Right. It, it's 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 just it, you know it's encouraged as a conversation. Yeah. It's not pointed at. Yeah. You know, on the wall, it, you know, it's not leaders saying, be like this. It's, yeah. it's encouraging those types of inquiries and conversations that have people reflect on their own values yeah. and what makes sense. And it's walk to talk, huh? Yeah. It's,
1: not, it's, it's really walk to talk.
0: Yeah, yeah. The other one I thought I um, did, just catching my help, I hear about information flow, transparency. I mean, we see that over and over again in these organizations. Yeah. Open information systems, you know, if you think about, I don't think he mentions it, uh, Handel's Bank, and doesn't he, in the book, but yeah. I know that's been mentioned in other contexts yeah. in terms of a, I don't know if it'd be classed as Teal, but um, a highly humane organization that, uh, yeah, all of the information about all the different branches yeah. is available to every other branch, yeah. which allows us to learn from each other if we're in one bar- branch versus yeah. another in the bank network.
1: Yeah, all the financial data. And the idea behind this is if all the de- data are accessible to anybody, uh, you have a much faster and, 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 and better decision-making uh, uh, because there, there is no secret information you would need to take a better decision. Um, so yeah, it's about radical transparency. Uh, yeah. Salaries is, is also in a lot of uh, uh, companies open, also in hours, So everybody knows exactly what everybody is earning. So it's, it's, it's the opposite of keeping secrets or using secrets as a, as a power tool in, in, in orange uh, structures, orange organizations. Typical corporates. Eh? I know something you don't know and, and I can trade it, etc. That's, that's also what he explains in the book.
0: Yeah, yeah. The other thing is just fun is the, you know, self-decorated, warm spaces, open to children, animals and, and nature. Uh, and it's certainly been my experience. I've visited two organizations that are certainly Teal. One is PropellerNet in Brighton in the UK and another is the Happy Company in uh, East London. And both of them, as soon as you walk in the building, you just, you feel it. Every sense is, is tuning in. There's something different here. The way the people's faces, the colors on the walls, uh, the, just the general vibe, the laughter, the, it's it's a just a palpably different environment that you walk in. and and it's not like that. It's all just fun because when I think of another organisation, um, uh, called uh, One Point IQ, which is actually a data, pro, yeah, you know, it's a it's a sort of data and um, machine learning organisation consultancy, and they uh, they have meditation on the hour, yeah, uh, and in that environment, it's not so. They're not so much ex, uh, emphasizing the warmth and the fun. It's about, but it's just so calm and inviting and just relaxing to be in the space and and there's such a sense of warmth. And so all of these organizations, whilst they might have slightly different flavors, feel very different to that, God, that dead cubicle, you know, rank cubicle environment that's so so familiar to us all.
1: And it's perhaps what's also interesting is because it's very practical one. It's not about titles or about functions which I can also take our company again. We, we are all called visionaires, so the company is called Visi, but there are no functions. You have roles and you have topics you care for, but we don't have functions and then we get new cards and if you are on the, on the next level, you get curtains on your office or another, <laughs> another chair or a bigger table, etc. That all doesn't exist. Uh, it's 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 all about the substance it's and it's very horizontal so it's uh, flat organizations uh i mean there are layers there is a kind of hierarchy but it's it's much more about 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 the work about the purpose and it's 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 less about what's wh- what's my next uniform and can i add a, uh, can i add one on my on my shirt right. uh, and 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 where where's the place reserved for for my car and this kind of stuff
0: Right, right.
1: Uh, it just it's, goes it's, away. Uh, it's, yeah, it's more about, about the substance and about the purpose. What do we want to change or what do we want to achieve yeah. together?
0: Yeah, and I think he talks about this in the, in the setup of the book. This is all in the context of this idea of radical abundance, right? If, I'm, if I feel held by nature, if I feel held by the universe, if I feel safe and secure, and I you know, perceive the world to be full of abundance, I'm not going to chase... I'm not going to be interested in chasing the, the, the car spot clearest, the, the, the car parking spot closest to the door. Or I, just the perfect example of this was for me as a colleague who worked at PWC, the management consultancy. And she said, when she joined that organization, when they'd have clients coming in for tea or coffee, everybody who was a partner would get a gold outline on the saucer of their mug for coffee. and <laughs> Everybody else just got a blue, a blue one. Yeah. And you can imagine the sort of stress and the pain that people have put themselves through to get that gold-rimmed saucer for, yeah. their, for their coffee mug. Um, but yeah, that, that goes again. It's in the context of this, the world is abundant. Uh, I can trust that the, the environment, this organization will hold me and, and it's all going to be okay, right?
1: But we still see it also in the buildings. Huh? So it's very important to have very high buildings and the board of directors is on the highest level. And uh, perhaps they have an own elevator, uh, where other people are not allowed to take, and they have reserved parking spaces and a driver. Um, and 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 let's say people who are lowest ranked; they are probably on the first floor. Uh, that's the way uh, to to think. Huh? So it's it's. Um, it's and, and everybody knows immediately uh, by by putting. Uh, but also, let's say from your clothes. Eh? I mean, I'm wearing a white shirt today, but it's uh, it's white color, blue color. Uh, it's, it's about suits and ties. And I've and, got and, the blue and, color and, on. And, <laughs> uh, this. Uh, so perhaps I should take another one today. But it's um it's um yeah it's it's the world we know. Uh the old uh world of 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 classical vertical hierarchy. Yeah, yeah, he that's described.
0: right. Yeah. So maybe that brings us on nicely to um to this leadership question. And I know he he covers that in chapter three. Um should we should we open this uh this section of the discussion with a quote here from the book? Um and this is from Dennis, I don't know how to pronounce the surname, back A back back. Um Today, there is almost too much focus on leadership, mainly because it is widely thought to be the key to economic success. In fact, the degree to which a leader can actually affect technical performance has been substantially overstated. And I know that there's some research from Dan Kahneman uh, to back that up. On the other hand, the importance and impact of moral leadership on the life and success of an organization has been greatly underappreciated. So I suppose the question to you, Tom, as a leader of a, of a TEAL or as a leader within a TEAL organization, you know, how does that quote sit with you?
1: I think it's, um, it's something which not only for companies, but in general for society uh, is, is, is a very good quote. Huh? So the people we admire, like Gandhi and Nelson Mandela, we admire much more than people who are power driven. I, I don't want to dive into UK politics, but... Uh, there are a lot of people who are also very orange or very red. We would say, uh, and it's about their power, and it's not about society. It's not about moral statements. It's not about uh, justice. It's not about about caring for others. It's not about solidarity. Um, and um, and 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 he dives into into the topic of leadership, which I find extremely important, important and also interesting. That that it's it's but it's also because what we sometimes say uh, purpose is the ceo or or purpose is the is is the goal or or, or the power uh, of of the organization and and if you have a strong purpose which also people like gandhi or nelson mandela had it's not about the person they are just yeah transporting or 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 they say they are the human beings who 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 drive this these kind of purposes.
0: Yeah, they're like a a, a vessel for it. But I think again, for me, it's about. I mean, because I had a fascinating interview with uh, Julian Wilson, who's um, the CEO of Map Black Systems, which I guess is another teal organization, and they. He he talks in this. They don't really have a central purpose station for the for the organization, but what they are in is in a you know they've created an environment where people get to reflect on their own purpose and find ways to express it within that organization every day. Uh, And the the purpose to which it exists within the organization is is emerging all the time. And so there's a distinction, isn't there, between a an organization with a stated purpose. Uh, and an organization that allows for sort of purposeful action. Yeah. And it, you know, and, it, and it may be you've got a purpose statement on the wall, a bit like we talked about with the values and all, doesn't necessarily mean you've got a purposeful organization um, or one that allows individuals to express their purposes every day.
1: That's right. That's why I also like our main rule, uh, the golden rule, because you can apply it on any context in any company, but also in society. Uh, it's, it's, like, it's like the example I, I sometimes use is, there's an elderly lady waiting at the street to be helped to cross the street, and everybody will go to the lady and help her to cross the street. And, and everybody finds it totally normal. So this golden rule, you could just say, if you work in an organization, you just want to be kind to others or help each other, And and no matter what no matter what context and then probably in buurtzorg where they where where they care about elderly people at home there is, it's 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 let's say much simpler to understand where this is all about. And if you talk about let's say doing mortgage advice, it's a little bit it's a little bit more complicated. Although you can just say we help clients to get the best mortgage or the mortgage which survives their whole life, etc. But It doesn't matter what you do if you work in a bakery you just are friendly and selling bread to people so it's it it it, you can make things very simple and very very clear uh, to anybody because everybody knows from daily life how you want to be treated by others in normal uh, life by others
0: yeah yeah and that and that's right there's and then this comes back to the question this this trust question and i know that i've butted head with you a few times in conversations about you know well how exactly do you deal with firing somebody right like for it's like the classic one right and it, it's you know the responses from you and from others you know who are within this organization is you just kind of have a trust that the the, the, the team themselves the organization people will know how to handle that like humans know how to deal with friends who aren't pulling their weight or members of the family who aren't, but you know, we know how to deal with that and we just trust the system to find a resolution.
1: Yeah. The interesting thing, which, which, I mean, we also had discussions on that. The interesting thing is that in normal life, we, we just behave in a normal way. Like the example of the elderly lady we help. Mm. So why wouldn't we help our colleagues in the company? Yeah. Or why wouldn't we help clients or suppliers? So why why would I rip off suppliers if I want to continue to work with them the next ten years? So it's and 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 it's also something with friends you you just don't do because yeah. friendship is about mutual respect and helping each other. So why yeah. why do you think that an egoistic approach helps in a, in the business context or to put it even more? more um, let's say profoundly what I find interesting is that the word egoist is something totally negative but if you translate it into shareholder value capitalism which is exactly the same because it means that you want to maximize your own prospects no matter how others are are treated in the ecosystem just egoistic then suddenly it's 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 the basic fundament under our let's say society if you talk about stock listed companies so why do we accept in our company context stuff we wouldn't accept in our families of our children uh, with our uh, let's say friends etc etc we just wouldn't accept or we
0: don't accept right exactly um exactly and you might and i suppose the argument might have been well that's that's been the classic economic, well, that's been the way for us to most efficiently distribute uh, resources such that we, we all benefit, right? Um, yep. But what, how do we benefit? We benefit materially? Like, in what way? Like, how is that really a benefit when it comes to how we're going to lead, lead our lives and relate to others and experience life on a daily basis? It's, yeah.
1: And to to link also towards leadership again, uh, let's say in our normal culture or in our religions, it's always about if you are stronger and you are more privileged, everybody sees it as your duty to help others. Now, you don't have yeah. to take Christianity. It doesn't matter what religion you take or humanism or philosophy, etc. And And if you make the link then to, to to his book and to leadership, the role of a leader becomes to focus on that and just to walk around and say this is not the way we work here or 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 take the positive example and say okay if if a strong person helps a weaker one that's the way we want to do things here yeah, uh, and, then, yeah. and then you can talk about coaching or, or are you available for questions of younger colleagues etc but in the end it's very simple the stronger x in a responsible way and helps, helps the weaker one or the
0: younger one. Yeah. Yeah, and he talks about holding space. And I think to me, it's like holding these, they, they become the holder of the values, the holder of the ethics, right? Yeah. That's one of their principles, uh, you know, leader within these organizations is holding these holding the line when it comes to these core principles and core values. And, and, what, yeah, and just even as I say that, how much more powerful is that as a statement of leadership than maximizing shareholder value right i mean yeah it just seems so obvious right when you put it in such dark terms yeah. yeah, especially because in the
1: end we know it's a dead end huh because ecosystems or uh, friendships only survive when when they are in balance yeah so if you only take from a friendship then it's very clear that when you're in a weaker or in a difficult position and you would call your friends they would also say i'm not there richard because you were yeah. also not there when i wanted when i needed you so yeah. it's it's in a way it's all very understandable that that you can't uh uh let's say in the long term you can't act in an egoistic way
0: yeah 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 and we and we know that and all all the historical you know Tradition, religious traditions and spiritual traditions you know, have imparted this wisdom, and yet somehow that's never got encoded into our business ethics. It's, yeah. Yeah. No, that's right. Um, I just thought I'd throw in a beautiful example from the book in terms of, it, you know, an illustration is the, the Favi, you know, that he mentions the yeah. hero mentions, the motor parts manufacturing and how the, the guys there are making these car parts. Um, they, they were taking the excess metal and molding them into little Santa figures, right? To put in the box to send to their customers. And, and so, yeah, the, the customers opening up this box and seeing these little figurines. I mean, that is just beautiful. And we don't really, yeah, we don't really experience that, do we, yeah, in business life uh, from, you know, in most of the ways we interact. And, you know, that seemed to be emblematic of the change here. It's that care for the individual on the other side.
1: Now, the what I also find interesting and is at the end of the book is he also talks about um w- w- which i find uh, very well done he also talks about the teal society right so 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 it's it's i mean it's not about uh behavior in organizations it's just in general so and you also see it in 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 politics eh? so in politics it's also about long term if you talk about the environment. Or about social mobility, or about paying taxes, etc., and that there also it should be the goal or the moral obligation of our leaders to, to especially in times of crisis, to to tell people who are much stronger, it's their duty to help people in need, and not and not and not saying, no, no, it's totally right. You are a billionaire, and we and we still give you a lot of money. Uh, because you can't pay the the loans uh, or the salaries of your of your people's people it it, it there's this moral obligation which is very strong in, in 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 this chapter of of leadership and also if something happens and it's also the favi example uh, he takes but he also takes other other companies as an example that when something negative happens that we shouldn't overreact because it's an exception so if If nothing is stolen and 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 then, after ten or twenty years, somebody steals something, there's another reason to lock everything and then say, "Okay, because one person has stolen something, we lock all the material, which right. makes it much more difficult uh uh to work or or also gives the people the impression that they are not trusted yeah. which they don't deserve,
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah no uh, I think I think that point about um the broader society is important because uh, really this isn't yeah when you reflect on it this isn't really something just to take into business you know this is about you know a, a personal personal transformations for each of us which then get expressed in certain organizations but really this in, in this evolution is really happening in the context of a broader shift in society and individuals within it i think that's um I think yeah, I think that's what's happening. And as we spoke about in the in the early part of this, you know, one critique of this thesis might be that it sort of presents a linear progression. Um, But perhaps much of what we're talking about in terms of the themes and patterns here have existed in history before in different forms. And how much of this is really just a a remembering, a, a, a rediscovering of of certain aspects of you know human wisdom.
1: Uh, the, the interesting question is: um, Are we that civilized? And with a with a very big question mark. So, if you talk about sustainability, we 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 think that that because let's say from a technical point of view we have so many means and so many possibilities, we are very civilized. Uh, but that's also what La says. But I mean, he's, he's he's I mean he's not an exception. Um, how is it possible? That we're so proud of ourselves, uh, if we see the enormous speed, we are ruining our worlds. I mean, mm. you could also call this extremely uncivilized. And then, then, then let's say, if you talk about anthropology, and you would say, no, no, this, 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 I don't know uh, what kind of tribes we find somewhere, we have rules to think, let's say, six generations further down. And uh, down the future, or down uh, into into the future, uh, this kind of mechanisms is this even much more civilized than we are? Yeah. Or if you talk about the talking stick and the circle, and everybody has has a right to speak, and as an equal structure in a circle, and people are sitting down in the bush, uh, and 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 there's the talking stick, is this much more civilized than our vertical hierarchy, with somebody sitting on the on the one side of the table, and all the other people have to shut up. So, I would that that would also be one of my uh, points of critique that there is still a lot of linear thinking that you start on the left side of the Excel shit uh, where we started also this conversation, and sometimes I think. If you just see for example the way we think about also uh leadership uh, or 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 avoidance of power, then there are especially in history a lot of examples where people were very well aware of uh, the avoidance of power and and first among equals is just one example, but there are enormous amount of examples so so I would really ask ourselves are we the civilized and 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 is our way of linear thinking sometimes very very arrogant in comparison to to um let's say other parts of history which 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 were perhaps more civilized in many ways
0: right yeah exactly no i i, I think that uh, i agree with you there i, I think this idea that we can sort of reduce it to a to a linear timeline. It's, you know, is flawed some level. I think the other the other critique is, and I know that we had um Dave Snowden recently on you know on my podcast, being being human, and he, you know he he rubbishes all of this, right? And uh, I think where he's coming from is, and he didn't say this, I'm kind of characterizing it, um, is that this is all just reductive, right? You can't just you just can't take an organization and kind of categorize it. Oh, you you know your teal, right? Your you, 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 you meet these, met, these metrics and these tick boxes. So therefore, you know, we'll put you in this category that it's an organization far too complex to categorize in that way. Uh, which, I, you know, I think there's some validity in that, right? This could be seen as overly reductionist.
1: But, but the other, on the other hand, it also um, helps to discuss. So, um, I mean, his enormous amount of work he did in, 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 in putting, let's say, the whole stuff in a kind of Excel sheet. Uh, with these ten dimensions and 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 these different uh, organizations, uh, it it in a way it also makes it let's say easy to understand. If you talk about colors in the Catholic Church and the cardinals who are purple, et cetera, or the army with the ranks, etc., so so in a way it also helps. But I think it would also make sense just to take some examples and, for instance, uh, explain that in Greek society, uh, uh, people thought in a circular way. And, 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 and since the Enlightenment, uh, we think in a linear way, and perhaps it makes sense to also think in a circular way, especially as he says at the end of the book, it's about zero growth, and zero growth is circular.
0: Yeah, right, right, right. Yes. Um, yeah. And the other thing that I, so I, I, I agree on the one hand that it, it, it is overly reductionist and you can't sort of then generalize about an entire social institution based on, you know, certain characteristics being true um, and different behaviors are going to emerge in pockets, you know, uh, you know, in a constant, you know, constantly will be emerging in different ways. But I, I think the other thing I will say is, Again, I'm really restating it that when I've gone into these organisations, there's something palpably difficult. There is a sense of I'm experiencing something manifestly different, right? You know, so um, that that also seems to be true, right? So there is a sense that there's something that's tangible, that's concrete, that exists that's different in certain organisations.
1: And the aspect also, I think, but it's perhaps uh, which is a little bit in the book also in the. Uh, okay. by, by Ken Wilber, or, or if you talk about spirituality, which which I don't want to make bigger, but let's say there is a kind of mechanism that, let's say, being altruistic gives you much more fulfillment than being egoistic. So, which, in a way, I sometimes think it's the kind of justice in the system that those people who are very egoistic uh, it doesn't help them in the end, because it, it doesn't make them happier, so to say. What makes you happy? To care for others, or or working on a purpose, or or on 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 the greater picture. So, so perhaps that's also something. Because if we would be more aware of that, perhaps it would also be a road, Let's say towards more altruistic behavior. Um Because why are people still so happy working in hospitals, being teachers, although it's very hard work, people are not very well paid in comparison to 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 let's say working in the financial industry, etc. There must be a reason for that. It's just because there's more fulfillment. So and that's also something I I I think perhaps we should dive into this uh, another time because if you talk about leadership, you could just say okay. Is it also about fulfillment? Is it, is it about to become the richest guy on the planet? Is Jeff Bezos probably, or would he be the most happiest person in the world? Or is the guy who built a company and helped much more people, isn't this guy much happier? Probably, eh? mostly a guy. Uh, is, is this person much happier than, than, than just being on this list and saying, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm the greatest, I'm, I'm, I'm the richest?
0: Right. Well, yeah, exactly. And, and well, then we're getting into the definition of happiness as well, because depending on how you define happiness, you might end up with a different answer. But okay. That feels like we've, you know, we've, we've, given, um, you know, we've, we've, we've given a good uh, summation, I suppose, of the thesis here. And we got into a little bit of critique, but, um, yeah. Thank you, Tom. Um, we'll, we'll flash the book up again for those who are interested in, yeah. We're, we're interested. <laughs> we're both, we're both. I think we're both the same one. I read it <laughs> yes. in English. Oh, you did? Okay. Reinventing organization. Anyway, thoroughly worth the read. You know, um, uh, you'll get some inspiration on how things are evolving in the business world and, you know, maybe even some sense of how you might want to change your own uh, beliefs and and behaviors as you navigate this life. So once again, Tom, thank you. Uh, Thank you, Richard. Um, It's been great. Experiment number two. (laughs) (laughs) of what we're now calling uh, You Should Read This. Um, yeah,
1: Our whole life is one experiment,
0: <laughs> Stay tuned for uh, episode three of You Should Read This. Thanks again, Tom. I hope you enjoyed this episode of You Should Read This with me, Richard Atherton, and my fantastic co-host, Tom van der Luber. If any of the material in this show resonated with you, if you're thinking, perhaps, how could I take these ideas and apply them in my own leadership or or take them forward into my own organization, then I would love to have a conversation with you about that. If that feels like that could be a valuable use of your time, then please do click on the Calendly link in the description for this episode, and that will allow you to book a slot directly into my calendar, and I hope to speak to you soon.